0: Energy efficiency. Is this an issue that affects rural Missouri more than it does our cities? We're going to look at that this week on Renew Gurus. Hello out there in podcast world. This is James Owen, the executive director of Renew Missouri, joining us on the second edition of Renew Gurus. Uh, I'm joined, as I was last time, by our research clerk, Emily Piantek. Emily, good morning.
1: Good morning, James. Hi, folks.
0: How you doing today? I'm great. A little really fun fact about you: you told me one time what your last name stands for. What does that stand for?
1: It means Friday in Polish.
0: Wow! So, so TGIP. It's
1: TGIP. <laughs> there
0: you go. Okay. Well, that's when we're recording it anyway. Uh, so yes, she'll be on here talking about um, about energy efficiency in rural areas. So we're excited about that. Uh, running okay. our boards is Elizabeth Gower, uh, who is our office coordinator. And also, just keeping the trains running here at Renew, Missouri. How are you, Elizabeth?
2: I'm great, thanks.
0: Okay, so Philip didn't like us talking to him while uh, we were recording this last time, so we're going to try not talk to you as much as possible. But we might ask you to chime in every once in a while.
2: Sounds great.
0: Very good. Okay, so this is going to be our first look at um, our programming called T L D R. And for the uh, people out there who don't know what that stands for, that's kind of Twitter verbiage for too long didn't read, which means that they're sharing an article, but they didn't read it because it was too long. This is going to stand for too long and did read. And we are going to have Emily, who knows everything about research and everything about all these issues, talk a little bit about a report that came out last week. It's a national report about uh, Midwestern uh, energy consumption in, uh, in in rural areas. Is that right?
1: That's right. Um, the report came out from the American Council for Oh, gosh. Energy efficiency. I just forgot the acronym.
0: Uh-oh. I'm here comes. Worst. Here's where we should have done uh, tr- uh, prep for this. Um, it's ACEEE, right? ACEEE.
1: We'll yeah.
0: look it up. Uh,
1: the high cost of energy in rural America. Um, we'll be talking about the household energy burden um, and how that can be mitigated in rural areas.
0: Okay. Um, now, this is the American Council for Energy Efficient Economy.
1: There we go. That's sorry right. about that. Out of
0: Washington, <laughs> D.C. That's right. Okay, but we do a lot of work with them here at Renew Missouri. We rely on a lot of their research. Uh, one of the things they do is they uh, they rank states on energy efficiency. So we um, we do have some uh, some numbers on that. Uh, we have been really good in the past. Um, but I
2: think we are thirty seventh.
0: We're thirty seventh. Really?
2: That's right. We're thirty second.
0: Thirty seventh. Thirty oh, seventh. Wow, was good. Good call. See, we got the uh, producer here that knows all this. But that's that's bad. Would you say that's bad, Emily? I would say
1: that's bad. And we actually dropped a few rankings in the past year um, because we um, have failed on our energy efficiency programs. We had a few programs expire, um, and so our overall ranking has gone down.
0: So, okay, we're talking about that ranking. And before we get into the meat of the article, let's talk a little bit about, like when we talk about energy efficiency... Sometimes I think that gets confused with people about conservation versus energy efficiency. In your view of it, I mean, what what does energy efficiency mean?
1: Well, as you like to always say, the best kind of renewable energy is the energy you don't use. So energy efficiency um, is just a smarter way to use energy where you are sealing your homes and your windows and you have good insulation, so your heating um, and cooling costs are going to be lower. Um, Where you're just streamlining your energy usage overall, so you're not buying energy that you don't need.
0: Right. And that—that's how you do it for residential. That's how you do it for, a residential, um, do it for a residential building. But like businesses and industrial customers can do this too, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, there are programs out there um, that are similar to uh, programs for residential customers, where you can just um, use LED lighting, for example, in your facility to reduce your lighting costs. Um, you can upgrade your windows to keep your heating and cooling costs less. And then there's also like streamlining of packaging and um, water usage and things like that that all kind of fall under this energy efficiency framework.
0: So our five listeners out there may be thinking this all sounds great, but they might wonder, what does Missouri do to encourage this as a policy?
1: So we have a couple of programs um, in Missouri. Uh, some of them are federally funded, yep, and um, some of them are sort of offered by different utilities. Okay. Um, so one of the feder- federally funded programs is weatherization, and this is available to low-income homeowners um, and some renters with certain qualifications. Right. So you can have. Um, An energy audit of your home done um, by professionals, and then they kind of identify, you know, what areas of your home need to be improved or upgraded to see the highest energy cost savings.
0: Yes, Elizabeth.
2: I recently had an energy audit done on my home, and they told me that I needed to upgrade my attic insulation, do some um ceiling of my windows and doors replaced some exterior doors that i had that were leaky and the company i used sent me a very detailed six page report maybe and okay. i implemented some of those and ended up getting a check for my utility company for almost 550 dollars
0: hey not yeah. too bad right now you uh have a co-op
2: i do you're
0: a member of a co-op right
2: I am a member of Boone Electric.
0: Oh, we should be paying them for that kind of publicity, or they should be paying us. That's what I meant to say. (laughs) Sorry, we'll cut that out. Um, Yeah, so, okay, so Elizabeth is an example, a living, breathing example of someone who has had an energy efficiency audit done on her residence um, and received some sort of benefit from that. So that's good. Now, you talk about um, utility companies offering this. I mean... Are we talking about all types of utilities? Are we talking about just investor-owned utilities? I mean what 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 are what is the state of Missouri able to do with so this? So
1: in Missouri we're mostly talking about the investor-owned utilities, which are the big utilities like Ameren and KCPNL. Um, in rural, an empire, in empire. right? Um, and so this is why energy efficiency um, is a more pronounced problem in rural areas because you have co-ops um, and municipal utility companies that don't have the capital to invest in energy efficiency upgrades right. for their for their customers.
0: And it's a good time to point out now um, there is a statute out there called the Missouri Energy Efficiency Investment Act. We call it MIA. Mama Mia, for instance. That's like how you'll remember that. Here we go again, right? Like the whole thing. Never mind. Okay, so Mia allows uh, the investor-owned utilities to offer these programs. Uh, and quite like when they build a factory or build transmission lines, they're able to get a rate of return on that. So they are able to make money off of those investments in energy efficiency. That's right. Right. Because one of the things that's a problem with energy efficiency, and this is something that's faced by the investor-owned utilities co-ops and municipal utilities is there can be a problem because to encourage energy efficiency means their customers are buying less power so they're making less money so they tend to think oh well we don't want to do this but this mia program at least with investor owned that helps that problem
1: yeah that's right so then the utilities aren't um losing money right in the long run
0: And now not all the investor owned utilities do this. Empire Electric is an investor owned utility in southwest Missouri, which covers a large rural part of that state, of that part of the state. And they don't do it because I think the problem is they're not big enough. But we, Renew Missouri, just advocated for a new law to allow them to do electric decoupling, which will let them do that, and they'll be able to see those benefits.
1: Oh, that's going to be great news for those customers. Yeah, I
0: think they're going to be really excited when they see that. So we hope so anyway. So if you're in Empire Electric... Uh, you'll be seeing that, I hope, in the next couple of years. So you mentioned the rural aspect of this because the ACEEE, getting back to this and talking about these policies who say that we really stink as a state at energy efficiency. Um, they have like looked at the problems with energy efficiency in rural parts of the country.
1: That's right. And what they found in the report was that rural Americans face a higher energy burden overall than um, Americans who live in metropolitan areas.
0: So when they say, when they say, um, when they say energy burden, I mean, what does that mean? I and mean, how do they describe that?
1: So they describe the energy burden as the percentage of your income that you spend on energy annually. Right. So um, for the U.S. at large, um, including rural and metropolitan areas, it averages out to be about 3.3% um, of your income that you spend on energy. Okay. But when you look into rural areas particularly, uh, it can range anywhere from about 4.3%. Or four percent of your income spent on energy, on average, um, up to over five, to almost six percent of the of your yearly income that you're spending on energy.
0: Now, is that in Missouri, or is that all over the country in rural um, areas?
1: That's all over the country, but in Missouri specifically, the energy burden is still higher than the national metropolitan average at about four um, percent. Okay. Of income spent.
0: So there. they look at this by region.
1: They do, yeah.
0: And they look at the Midwest, which Missouri is still a part of. Mm-hmm. Is that yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry. I know. See now I sound like this is why I sound like a lawyer because whenever you're on the record or you're doing a deposition, you got to tell like people being deposed don't say uh huh or uh uh because no one knows what that means. So anyway, so sorry I had to like get into my lawyer role there. I hate being a lawyer, so don't leave that out. Okay. So uh, okay, so you said that uh, with the Midwest. Is it is it a bigger burden in the Midwest than it is in other parts of the country, or is it about the same?
1: It's about the same. Um, I mean, it's a little higher when you get into the South and the Southwest, but mm-hmm. when you compare us to the West or the Northeast, it's not dram- that dramatically different.
0: Right. Oh. Okay. So why? Okay. So when you see energy, so we're talking about your household budget, and you see an increase. Now, this is comparing it to cities. Yes. Right. So, I mean, when we think about cities in Missouri, we know we have St. Louis and Kansas City, but does that include places like Springfield or Columbia, Cape Girardeau, places like that?
1: So rural generally includes, or in this report, includes the USDA definition, which is 50,000 people or less living in a city or a village or a township or a more distributed, more countryside type area. So this report is specifically focusing on areas that are served by utility companies that are not big investor-owned utilities. They're the rural co-ops and the munis.
0: Okay. So because... We do have investor-owned utilities like Amron, KCP&L, and Empire that do cover rural areas, but they're not including this.
1: No, and that's because those um, bigger IOUs, as we call them, investor-owned utilities, tend to have more capital, as we were talking about earlier, so they can invest in energy efficiency for their customers. That doesn't mean that um, energy efficiency isn't a problem in those areas, Right. but the report was focusing on the smaller utility companies. And as
0: we said, I mean, and here's why it's important for an IOU which is one of those TLAs that we were talking about last week, those three-letter, three-letter acronyms, <laughs> jinx, that, uh, <laughs> that they get more heavily regulated by the state. So this energy efficiency uh, mandate that the legislature has put out there is something they follow. I mean, like I said, Empire doesn't, but they've got a new statute that lets them do that. So, that's another reason to focus on rural electric cooperatives and munis and these smaller communities is because. That's right.
1: Um, because they aren't sort of guided by the law in terms of providing energy efficiency programs.
0: Okay. So, I have a question about that. So, they talk about energy burden. We want to get back to that with the household income being such a larger percent in these rural areas of Missouri as opposed to urban areas. Is that just a matter of the fact that, <clears throat> does that have anything to do with the fact that you can you make less money in that's, rural areas?
1: Yeah, that's definitely a part of it, um, but that's not all of it. So, a part of the reason is that uh, housing in rural areas tends to be... Older, more cheaply constructed, there's a lot of manufactured housing, so like mobile homes, for example, and they just tend to be really energy inefficient. So you have um, the physical aspect of the house, which can contribute to energy inefficiency. You have the economic aspect as well. There are fewer opportunities in rural areas for people to find employment, to make money, to be able to afford the kind of efficiency upgrades um, that they would need to do to reduce their energy bills. Um, But then you also have problems of education. So not all parts of the state have access to broadband. And so people aren't always aware of the programs that are available to them. And then as we were just talking about, you have the policy issues. So the bigger utilities are bound by policy um, when it comes to offering energy efficiency programs in a way that rural utilities aren't.
0: Okay. A lot of information in that. So let's break down a little of it. Yeah, that's one thing that I've always wondered about. I've I've only been doing this for a couple of years, but whenever we talk about offering programs to customers in a co-op or in a municipal area or even an IOU, We always say, well, you know, we've got a website that tells people about this. But then I think to myself, how many people (laughs) when they've got a job, they've got kids, uh, they've got all these other things going on in their lives are going to stop and look at a website to figure out, oh, well, here's where I can save some money on energy efficiency, even if they had access to Internet. Which, and you're right, one of the big problems we've got in Missouri is we have uh, challenges in a lot of rural areas about access to high speed internet. A lot of people would argue that's one of the reasons why you've not been able to see any economic development grow in those areas because they just don't have the technology there. But I do wonder, I mean, How many customers out there really do look at if a utility company is saying, Well, we have a website for that? How many people are really looking at that?
1: Yeah, well, that's a big problem that um, other states have addressed in rural areas in a couple of different ways. Um, One way, and you may, if you live in a city, Even you may see this on your bill when it comes in, um, the utility company will have outlined a couple of different energy efficiency programs on the paper bill that you're getting, just so you're aware that way. Um, But recommendations in rural areas tend to go um, so far as having other providers of social social services partner with the utility company to um, advertise the information to low-income customers in particular. Um, right. putting up flyers, uh, radio blasts, things like that. Oh, okay. Um, because radio and newspaper are a little bit bigger in rural areas. So that's the way that utility companies can advertise their programs.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I've I, I mentioned this before, I'm from a rural area, you're from a relatively rural Seminal, area, yeah. somewhat. I mean, that's how people get information. They get the weekly paper. We still have weekly papers in rural parts of the, uh, of the state. Uh, newspapers are having... Trouble, but I think that is where a lot of people get information.
1: Yeah, I think people rely on them in a way that we don't in bigger cities now. And I don't know
0: if, like, I don't... I mean, I assume people still listen to the radio. I have no idea. I I, I don't listen to local radio in my car, um, but I think maybe in areas where... You know, you still have like a local radio station or you, well, you s- don't
1: have internet access where you're not using Facebook or whatever to get right. your news. <laughs> you probably will listen Please to don't the get, radio a little bit.
0: Don't get more. your news from Facebook. Yeah. All right. Uh but yeah, I mean so do you think that's an effective way to get that message out is doing those kind of forms of communication?
1: I think it's a good way, but I do think the best way is for utility companies to partner with um, local organizations that provide social services um, just as a way of sharing more So,
0: yeah, I want to talk about that because it brings up an issue that you mentioned earlier. You're talking about the administration of federal funds, and you mentioned weatherization. You talked a little bit about weatherization, but that's that's one of those, and we've, and we've done this kind of policy work at the federal level here at Renew Missouri. We have talked to the congressional delegation from Missouri about making sure that we have funding in the budget for weatherization, but that tends to be something they don't fund as much, but they kind of look at LIHEAP and things like that. I mean, do you know anything about LIHEAP or you want me to handle that? Or yeah, LIHEAP um, is basically just where you do subsidizing uh, people's like heating bills. Um, I mean, heating is a real crucial element to people, um, especially people who are, you know, in low-income brackets, I mean, you're talking about literally life and death in some situations. And so there's always a big push for lawmakers at the federal level um, to put that kind of money in there that gives uh, utility companies an ability to um, keep, that, keep that heat on, whether it's electric or gas or whatever it is. Um, we've done a lot of work with that, you know, just with the investor-owned utility gas companies. Um, but weatherization, we've always felt like, doesn't get enough when you talk about that getting administered uh, at the state level, is that something that the state does or is that something that um, private entities do? How does that work from what you know?
1: So I think it works both ways. The state um, offers the program, obviously, and they determine how much money is going to be allocated and where that money is going to go. But then you have community organizations like nonprofits that will kind of step in and administer the program and help contract with um, the contractors to do the energy efficiency audit of your home and then with other local businesses to make the improvements Um, so it's kind of a mix of public and private partnerships right
0: because i mean right now the division of energy which is ran by our good friend christy manning here that is part of the department of economic development she's the director of division of energy Um, they are i think they get almost all their funding from federal um from federal sources Department of Social Services, which deals with folks who are on the lower income area, deals with a lot of Medicare, not Medicaid, not Medicare, Medicaid. I've done a lot of that work and I still get that mixed up, but they also do a lot of work with SNAP and TANF, food stamps, that sort of thing. But they also work on administering that with the Department of Economic Development. Now, we also know that utility companies in the state will work with uh, community action networks. And I think when you say that these local not-for-profits that's where a lot of yeah, that comes that's who from I was right referring to yeah. yeah they're all over the state um,
1: and then this reminds me and this is relevant because of um the 2018 farm bill being currently uh debated in the house and yeah. senate a lot of energy efficiency program funding uh comes from the farm bill um and that's in the uh the program is called reap which is Rural energy um and oh gosh i keep I keep forgetting that the, what these acronyms all stand for I know USDA, USDA reap that's the uh, energy efficiency uh, funding program for uh, from for rural areas from the right bill
0: and you know and I think you know I know that there are you know we have a congressional delegation here uh, all of them are Republicans that's the majority in Congress right now so they are going to have a lot of say in that I know that having conversations with republican congressman from missouri that there is an interest in making sure that all remains funded yeah so while there's a lot of talk out there about how congress doesn't do anything and they're just gridlocked and deadlocked there are efforts on that
2: yeah i definitely. mean if we'll give
0: them credit. credit for that yeah. sure maybe not
2: a little bit of credit. a little bit of credit. okay <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, we, don't to, we don't want to go too easy on yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to go too easy on them. So, I mean, so even, okay, so even with these energy efficiency programs out there, weatherization, LIHEAP, they're still saying the Midwest and they're still saying Missouri still has a burden.
1: Yeah, we definitely do. Um, and so, and those programs are not enough. To address the the problem in rural areas, so something that uh, the report from AC Triple E has detailed uh, is it something called on bill financing, ah. uh, which may not always be available to people with. Um, a lower income or people with some credit issues, it can depend on how your utility, your rural co-op or your municipal utility uh, intend to administer it. But basically, um, they incorporate the cost of the energy efficiency programs into your bill and Mm -hmm. the cost of the program is spread over a defined period of time. Um, And then the way that it's usually structured is that no matter how much the efficiency upgrades cost, you'll be saving money um, yearly because the cost of your bill uh, will always be less than how much energy.
0: So does anybody in Missouri do that right now that you're aware of? Um,
1: Not that I'm aware of. Right. Um, So that's definitely a policy direction you can try to go.
0: And I know that, I mean, and we'll just say this right here, uh, one of the things that Renew Missouri is really, really trying to work on, and this is something that we're working on with some other... Uh, People who are interested in uh, energy policy around the state is developing this, not just with the co-ops and the munis, but also with the IOUs. Um, There are different programs for it. Uh, There's one program in particular called PAYS, which is called Pay As You Save. It's another acronym.
1: (laughs) I I wish you knew all the words or all the words for. Emily loves acronyms.
0: Okay. So just remember that for her birthday. She should send her a card with lots of acronyms on it. So um, PAYS is something that has been used by some electric co ops around the country. Particularly, I mean, we're talking about Arkansas and Kentucky. We're not talking about coastal states (laughs) where a lot of people think that these kind of new ideas and new policies and that sort of thing um, come from. I mean, these are areas. And, I mean, if you look at the Washita co-op down in um, southeastern Arkansas, that's a really shining example of where pays in this on-bill financing has not only been a real benefit to the low-income customers there, but the utilities have found a way to make money off of it. It's a good thing. Yeah. We like money, we right? Like pays. Yeah, we like pays. We like
1: pays, we like money, we like yeah. energy efficiency.
0: And one thing that's important to know is is uh, right now, um, Empire Electric uh, commissioned a report, a feasibility report on whether they should do um, an on bill financing program. Um, and they just released that. Um, and so did Ameren, And they had the same uh, company do it. And they basically said, yeah, this is good for low income um, customers. Uh, I think they said that there was access to capital, that if you have higher income, that this wasn't quite as feasible.
1: Right. Uh, They found that the programs would actually be the most efficient for people who have low income.
0: Right. But, I mean, I guess the idea is if – let me just ask you this question. I mean, if everyone's got this high energy burden, if you're talking about putting this energy efficiency improvements into their bill, isn't that going to make their burden even more?
1: Uh. Wait, sorry, I don't know what that was. Oh no, I was like, I was like, I was setting that
0: tea up for you to knock it out of the park. Sorry.
1: okay, sorry. All right.
0: Um, <laughs> I'll stop doing that.
1: <laughs> I'm not good with that, with reading. Uh, hand okay. symbols. Um, okay. Okay. So. And acronyms. Acronyms, hand symbols. Yeah, I don't okay, know that's okay. what I'm saying. But basically. Uh, <laughs> No, I forgot
0: what I was, I was asking you if that is going to make their energy burden worse because you're increasing their bill.
1: Okay, no, it's it's not going to make their energy burden worse because what um, the additional charge on the bill is is to cover the cost of the energy efficiency upgrades. But the way that pays is structured is the um, bill can be no more or can be no more can charge can that oh my god. The bill cannot charge more um, for the upgrades uh, than the cost savings that they will see. Oh, my God. I am not explaining this well at all. No, I'm I'm following it. Okay. Okay. You're basically...
0: (laughs) Here's what you're basically saying, because this is why this is important. All right. So you have these increases in the energy efficiency work you're doing to your home that, because you're in a rural area, it might not be built as well. It might be draftier. But those improvements are going to... Those improvements are not going to exceed, because you're going to save money.
1: Right. Yeah, that's the whole right. goal of the program is to save money. So so
0: the idea was it wasn't going to be more than your actual bill would be anyway, exactly, right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. And it has to uh, save you a certain percentage of money on your actual bill. So customers do see savings at the end of the year. Thank you, uh-huh. James, for walking me through that. <laughs> well,
0: Emily, <laughs> you see, I talk for a living. Uh, so that's the only thing I can do.
2: And I write for a living. And you write so. for a living. Yes, Elizabeth. <laughs> and. On top of saving money and reducing their kilowatt usage they will also see increased comfort in their homes. Exactly. Oh. And that's a wonderful point because
1: I think a lot of people don't realize how energy efficiency can impact health. Yeah. So think about what it would be like to live in a drafty home yeah. or um, a hot home or a home with poor air quality. You're not happy. Your mental health degrades. If you have asthma or other kind right. of respiratory illnesses, um, you're going to have a harder time. It's even been shown that some... Um, or some pollutants uh, from different kinds of fuel use can contribute to heart disease, uh, to lung cancer, and things like that. So um, energy efficiency is good for your wallet, it's good for your health, it's good for the environment.
0: I think they need to hire Elizabeth to to be their spokesperson.
2: (laughs) Well, and poor air quality, there's also been correlations between poor air quality and increased hospitalization cost and burden on society. So those are also things to consider.
0: Isn't it fair to say, though, I mean, the people in low-income brackets tend to have worse health anyway?
1: I would – I mean, I think so. Yeah. I'm not a health expert, but – No, I know. um, know,
0: But you can play one on this podcast.
1: All right. I'll play a health expert and say yes. (laughs) And also they face uh, less access to – hospitals to doctor's care sure. insurance and things like that so yeah.
0: but i mean was this is this is this report making the argument that if you were able to do these energy efficiency efforts that your health would improve or is that something you've been able to kind of look at with other research to make that connection so the
1: report actually does say that um energy efficiency upgrades can improve health physical health mental health um and uh nationwide uh, and it doesn't really depend it doesn't really matter you know what energy efficiency upgrades you're making as soon as you have um you know improved the warmth the quality of life in your home a little bit you're going to be seeing some improvements personally elizabeth
2: yeah
0: oh i thought you were like saying you want to say something okay well then
1: i think is that our time okay all right folks
0: (laughs) parting thoughts what are the ultimate conclusions of the report
1: uh, the ultimate conclusions of the report are that energy efficiency is a big problem in rural America but that there are um, a variety of ways that this can be addressed um, for rural co-ops and small municipal, municipal utilities, uh, partnerships with private organizations um, and nonprofits for education and then offering the contracting services to improve the efficiency of homes um, is a big deal and it can help solve some of those capital Uh, issues. Um, On-bill financing works for rural communities when you don't um, consider credit. Uh, And so you don't exclude customers from their ability to participate in on-bill financing if the utility itself can't finance the cost of the efficiency upgrades. It's better for health uh, overall. And then there's this additional aspect of economic opportunity. So you have to have crews of people who are trained to weatherize homes and to test them for weatherization. And you can tap into that resource in rural communities where... Um, employment opportunities are less to begin with.
0: I can tell you, I talk, I spend some time talking to HVAC people, um, electric people in rural areas. I have a gentleman I talk to a lot in Carrollton, Missouri, which is um, about an hour and a half west of here, and they would love to see opportunities like this in their community.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's great for everybody.
0: Yeah. So, did we cover the report? Did we give everything they need to know?
1: We got through a lot of it. It was sixty pages. If I know. You want to look at the graphs and the minutiae, You could look into
2: that yourself, but I think we hit the big points. You hit the big points, points, points. that matter to Missourians, and that's why so. we're
0: here. Yep.
2: There will also be a link to the full sixty-page report along with this podcast. Oh, so here we go. If you want to read the full sixty pages, man, highly recommend knock it yourself out. <laughs>
0: yeah, or you can just listen to this. So that's why we're giving you this opportunity because it is TLDR. And uh, on behalf of the Renew Gurus, Elizabeth, our producer, thank you.
2: You are welcome, James.
0: Emily Tech, happy Friday.
2: Happy almost Friday. Almost
0: Friday, in case you're listening to this. It's Friday somewhere, right? And this is your executive director, James Owen, hoping that you've enjoyed this week and that we'll see you next time on this radio dial.